Good. Um, we don't have Joe here today, obviously. Here, let me stand in my correct spot. Um, we don't have Joe here today, and that's all right, because we have, we have several new people who are helping us put on the music today. If I could have my two singers come up, a couple of announcements. Men's Coffee Hour next, no, it's two Saturdays from now. Two Saturdays. Two Saturdays, we come here, hang out, and have, that, have some time. Here, um, in next Sunday is going to be a different Sunday, and I'm really excited about it. We're going to be uh, having a joint service with uh, Missionary Memorial Church. They, they are going to cook a pig. I, I, I confirm that. They're just island style. And then there's going to be, you know, a potluck after, after church. We're going to have a joint service. We will, I will preach. They will do the singing with Joe. It'll be a great time. It'll be an amazing time. You should not miss that. Grill and chill at my house next Saturday. Um, and I'm excited to have all of you over. It'll have, it'll be, we'll have a great time. It's just literally chilling out at our house. Bring something to barbecue or is pre-cooked if you want for you to eat and then something to share. That's really pretty much it. I'll provide the drinks. Um, is that all of them? That's all of them. Um, welcome. Well, let me take a moment. And um, how are you guys doing today? Great. Good. Are you? Yeah. A little nervous? Yeah. <laughs> Y'all are going to do great, Derek. You're going to do great, Jen and, and, and Tom. Tom, you've done this a lot, so. We're good. So thank you guys for doing that. And uh, let's take a moment and pray, and let's, let's worship Jesus. Jesus, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for, for the opportunity to worship you in this house in freedom without, without, without fear. Lord, we ask that you would give us the sense that you have our, our lives in your hands, that you have our eternal destinies in your hands, that because of what you've done for us on the cross, we can be assured of our future, that what, come whatever may, through many dangers, toils, snares, whatever it is, you're going to bring us safely home, and that home will be amazing. Now, as we worship you, Jesus, help us to do so through your spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. That's what a song, you know. It's it's a child song, but it, it's interesting to find that it's it's adults that seem to sing it the loudest and most passionately, because they they know that at the end it's just such a precious song. Yesterday, I was having a conversation with a with a good friend of mine, Justin. Justin Hollingshead. Uh, Jesse's brother, <clears throat> and uh, and he asked me the question. So, will I get an, a chance that after I died at the pearly gates? There's pearly gates, right? He said, uh, to say yes or no to Jesus. My answer was, why wait? <laughs> why wait? Why not now? And that and, and then that that evolved into this long conversation. With, with some of the extended family regarding, how do I know if I'm saved? How do you know who is and who, who isn't? And it's, it's a question that, that needs to get answered. Because if, if you get this one right, there's so many things that you can go, okay, yeah, all that's happening, but at least I know my future, right? It gives you such an assurance for what's happening in your life and what's 
you can just relax a little bit. And isn't this year been one of those years where, oh my goodness, there's so many weird things happening? Where nothing seems normal. I was looking, me and Jesse were talking just a couple of days ago about things that are weird this year, not including the COVID stuff. That's never happened here. The fires. That's never happened like that here. At least not in my lifetime. I don't think I've ever. Not, not, not really in modern time. And then there was the, 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 the ice storm power outage. That's never happened around here. Not for that long. What was it, like three or four days sometimes? But there were people out for a month. I think Joe was like, what, six months, six weeks, eight weeks? Crazy. And then we have record temperatures. We've never had it over that high. I mean, it redefines what hot is. It was hot this week, but, you know, 106 is, well, that's not that bad compared to 115. There's so many weird things happening as well as the political stuff and the COVID stuff. And it's like the world is insane. We need some kind of rock to stand on, don't we? And so we're going to do a series of, of, of five assurances. The first one is assurance of what's going to happen to you when you breathe your last breath. What's, gonna, what's your next, next experience going to be? What's going to be your, your quality of life for eternity? That's what we're going to answer today. How do I know if I'm saved? And I want you to come away going, I know I'm saved. I know it. You can know it. Not maybe, no, you can know it today. And that's what I'm hoping for. I don't want you to spend another moment wondering, worrying about the ultimate end of your story. I want you to be able to come out of here today going, I know where I'm headed. Oh, I know where I'm headed. And we're going to do this by looking at John chapter 5, verses 11 and 12. Let me just read the two of them here. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not of God does not have life. That's the verse. We're going to look, look carefully at it, and we're going to start by talking about it. Let's just talk about what are we talking about. What is eternal life? What is it? And it's not, um, it's not what you might think. It's not unending existence. Every human being exists for eternity. That's not, that's not it. It's a quality of life. Which is why I said, what is your quality of life in eternity like? What's, it, what, what, what's your experience going to be when you breathe your last breath? What is that? It's a quality. It's a condition. It's, it's what you're experiencing. And by the way, it's something you can start to experience today. Because Scripture talks about eternal life as having something you have right now that you begin to experience now but also for eternity. And whoever has this is something that's amazing. Now, one clarification. You will, two actually, a couple of them. One, when you die, 
you will immediately be in the presence of Jesus. How do I know this? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul says that when he, to be absent from the body, dead, is to be present with the Lord. So, and in context, it means exactly what it, what it sounds like. If you're not physically alive, you are in Jesus' presence. The second thing is, eternal life is not lived in heaven. A lot of people think that's what it is. Heaven is a temporary spot. Eventually, when Jesus returns, he's going to come and he's going to recreate everything and restore everybody, and we will live with physical bodies in a physical world on a recreated, restored, like taking an old junker car and restoring it, earth. Restored people, restored earth in a physical world. But here's some differences, and look at some of the differences. Let's start with what is it, according to Jesus, it is this is eternal life. Jesus is, is, is answers it in a sentence. That they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. That's eternal life defined for us. Now we can fill that out and what does that mean? But it begins with, it's knowing God. Knowing in the sense of experiencing. Not know, having information about God. It's knowing as if having a, a deep intimate connection, a relationship with God, with the one true God. Now, there are lots of things that people act as God and think of as God and call God. Anything that, that you find that gives you security and gives you satisfaction and you put your hope into becomes God, is your God. So, so for a lot of people, it's money or it's pleasure or it's success or it's fame. Some of these kind of kind of ideas that they pursue with all their heart, and that becomes like a God to them. There's also things that people call gods. There are spiritual beings that pretend to be God, but they're not the creator. And there are, there are religions out there who, who, who worship them, but they're not the creator. They're not the true God. To know the true God the one who created heaven and earth and everything else and all the things that we worship as God and who pretend to be God, all of those things, this is what eternal life is, is knowing him. It's the, it's the kind of relationship where as Romans 8 talks about where we get to call him Abba, that is daddy. It's a knowing, in a, in, 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 like a little child knows his mother, close, being able to crawl into the lap and say, Dad, I'm, I'm struggling. The one who created everything, this is what eternal life is. It's being a, in, his in his presence. And that looks like this. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things have passed away. When we get to, the, to experiencing the fullness of eternal life, there will be nothing there that'll make you sad. Nothing there that'll make you disappointed, or frustrated, or stressed. And God will personally make sure of that. It's that sense of being secure 
and at peace. Isaiah 12 puts it this way, with joy you will drink water from the wells of salvation. Isaiah 12. Because there's a joy. If you have security and you have peace, then you, then you have then you have joy. If you have soul satisfaction, this drinking of the well, that means all that your heart has been longing and aching for, you get it in the presence of God, which is why he talks about it in Psalm 16. You make known to me the path of life, how to get to life, and you fill me with joy in your presence. This is the eternal life. It is unending, ever-increasing joy and eternal delights, pleasures at your right hand. This is what eternal life is. This is what we're talking about. Do you have this or not? Both now and eternally. You get a taste of it now, but eternally you will have this kind of an experience in a physical world in the presence of God with a restored creation and a restored humanity living perfectly together. This is eternal life. And how do we get it? We get life through the Son, through Jesus. As he said here, and this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son, Jesus Christ. Nowhere else. It's in Jesus. Whoever has the Son has life. Who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Now, why is it in him? Why doesn't everybody get it? Because the, because the Bible talks about how the, 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 the condition of all humanity is that they are separated from God, that there's a brokenness in our relationship. Isaiah 59 tells it like this, but your iniquities have separated you from God. Your sins have hidden his face from you, so he will not hear. Now, we understand what this is like on a, if we just switch the, the, the circumstance of this. If you have a good friend... But let's say he betrays you. He betrays you. He hurts your, you, maybe he, he steals from your business. Maybe he, he assaults one of your children, something like this. Doesn't that break that relationship? Would you rather not have a conversation with that person at that point? There's a disconnect that occurs. When one party of two does something that is a very offensive to the other, now, forgiveness can happen, yes, but initially that's the case. And that's what we've done with God. We have, we have done things that break our relationship with God. We're separated. The other analogy for this, and the, this is the one that the Bible uses, is, is death. This week, for example, was the anniversary of my mom's passing. I would have loved to hear her voice. I would have loved to, to give her a hug. But death has separated us. I can't do that. There's a, there's, a, there's a distance between us. Praise Jesus, that'll be fixed. But that's the analogy. That's the biblical analogy. 
We have died. We're, 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 we don't have life, so we're not connected. We have death, so there's a separation between me and God. And it's our sins. It's, our, it's, it's things that we've done that we know we shouldn't be doing that have caused this. And God's response is this. But God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still not good people, while we did the, we were in the midst of doing the worst things we, we, we could ever do, in that moment, Jesus died for you. You. The Father wanted you while you're doing bad things. He still looked at you and said, I love this person in the midst of their worst sin. And so I'm sending Jesus. To do what? As First Peter puts it, for Christ also suffered once for sins. The righteous himself, the one who's perfect, who never sinned, who never did anything wrong ever, he died for you to bring you to God, to restore the relationship. He was put to death in the body, died on the cross, but made alive in or by or through the Spirit of God. He was raised to dead on the third day. And what that means is because he did that work, you are saved as a gift, as, a gra as grace through your faith. And faith is not from yourselves. That's a gift too. Not by what you do so that no one can boast. It's based on what God does, what Jesus has done for you. Life you have eternal life through Jesus, through what Jesus did. His, the life, eternal life is in this, what Jesus has done for you. That's where eternal life is. So how do you know if you have it? Right? That's the next... It's like, okay, I get it. I've heard this stuff. But how do I know I have it? Who has, who hasn't got it? It's in Jesus, and we're talking about this amazing condition, but who has it? And again, whoever has the Son. Do you have the Son? How do I know if I have the Son? How do I know if, it's, if I have it? If I am actually saved. Part of that conversation yesterday was, do you think that if someone is saved, they're always saved? My answer is simply this. If they really are saved, then yes, I think they're always saved. The problem is, is there's some people that act or pretend or think that they are Christians or pretend to be Christians, but they're not. Because typically, and in this conversation, it was the same thing. The, issue, the, the things we struggle with, with this, with thinking that we're always, that people are always saved is, but what about those people who act like the devil six days a week and then Sunday morning they can come here and go, hey, I'm good, right? There's something wrong with that. Yeah, there is. Or what if those people who come to faith 
faith as a child, and then when they grow up, they walk away and they never come back. That doesn't seem something, doesn't seem right. Well, John, this book that we're looking at, this John chapter, uh, John first John, the whole book is about how do you know? And he makes several arguments throughout the book, through several tests, as it were, to know whether or not you are saved by faith. How do you know you are? And the one place where we can see kind of the summary of this is here. In verse chapter, the first three verses of chapter 5. Now, we, again, this is a summary. You can get pieces of this throughout the book of John. But we'll start with here. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born again. That is, that's, that's another word for saved. And the first thing I want to point out to this, this, this word believe, it, to get a little grammarly and a little geekish, it is a participle active present tense, which means it really ought to be translated, everyone who is believing continuously ongoing has been born again. Present tense, active. So the person who, who you look at their, their lives and they're, they are believing, they're continuing to do so. That's a test. Now there are people, and, we, and I've been there, you've been there, I know people who, who, who come to faith maybe as a child and they walk away for a long time and then at some point they just go, I believe in Jesus, what am I doing? And they come back. And they come back to believing. And maybe if you really press them hard, a lot of times they're like, well, I, yeah, I always really believed. I really did. I ran away from God and I knew I was running away from God. Active, present tense believing. That's the first thing. Not that you can't waver. Doesn't mean that you know for a time that you're 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 participating in church. Maybe you you have a bunch of sin for a period of time. There's a lot of different factors can here, but it won't stay that way forever. Belief is the foundation of sa of salvation, but it is expressed in a couple of things, and we can see that in the second half of this. Actually, wait a minute. Just to show you another one here on, on, on hearing. Truly I say to you, this is Jesus in the Gospel of John. Whoever hears my word, my testimony, believe and believes him who sent me, he has eternal life. We need, I, need to hear, I need to say this super clear. Your faith, faith is what saves you. He is, he, is, he is not coming to judgment, but he is passed from dead, separated from God, to life, eternal life. Hearing with belief. But going back to this one, there's a couple more things we can kind of get a sense there of what does it look like? What are the, how do I put this? What are the signs, the, the things that kind of confirm or evidence that you actually do have faith? And you can see it right here. Everyone who loves the Father, has faith, loves all the people that's been born of him. In other words, you like Christians. No, let me say that differently. You love the church, but that doesn't mean you like the church. Because <laughs> sometimes the church is frustrating and annoying, and it's, Ugh, why are they doing that? You can be really disappointed and be hurt by the church. And you can be um, angry even at the church. 
But maybe that just means that you, you identify with him and you're like, I wish my, my people were acting differently. Because it has to do with identity. Are you a part of God's people or not? Because a believer identifies with other Christians. How can you love God, his, the Father, and not love the Son? And the, the Son's other children. See, you, I can, I, there are times my brothers annoyed me big time, but I still loved them. That's what we're getting at. Do you love the, do you love the church? Do you love Christians? Not like them. And we can see that. And there, here's another place in John where you see the same thing. Right? Uh, wrong verse. That's fine. But by the way, this is the one that talks about how Oh, yeah. No, that is the right verse. Um, we know that we have passed out of death into life. Not dead, but have eternal life. Why? Because we love the brothers. We love the fellow Christians. Because whoever does not love, and in this case, it's not love generally, although we are called to love all people, but he, the context here is to love the fellow believers. But going back to this John one, there's a third one. By this we know that we love the children of God because we love God and we obey his commandments. And this is the one where we really get struck, stuck with. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments and his commands aren't burdensome. And I think this is the one where we really strive, we struggle. But I want to focus on this, this word keep. It has to do with the idea of where's your standards for life? Or to put it in another way, do you want to please God? Not that you always do. Because we all know we have times in our lives we don't, right? Even the most righteous, wonderful Christian, they still sin. We all know this. The issue is, do you want to, ultimately? Do you want, to, when you see his commandments, do you go, that's where I'd like to be? Now, that doesn't mean it's everything. Because here, you have to listen to this carefully. Do you really think that God points out every sin you, all, you do all the time? Is, there, is it possible that there are sins in your life that God has not yet convicted you of? Now, think back. When you first came to Jesus, did you realize all the ways that you sinned? No. As time went on, Jesus revealed more and more like, oh, yeah, Brian, by the way, that, that, that's a sin. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, Brian, why don't you work on that now? And then I deal with that one. And a couple, and, and a while later he goes, by the way, Brian, um, that's pride. Oh, I didn't know I had pride. Right? The, he doesn't do it all. I think that's because he's a little too kind. If he revealed all of the ways we sin, we'd probably be overwhelmed. Right? And we all know this. And so there may be sins in your life that you are, you're not aware of that somebody else can look at your life and go, wow, he's sinning a lot. There's no way he can be saved. Well, maybe God just hasn't dealt with that sin in their life yet. 
Is it possible? How about just simply ask him, do you want to please Jesus? What are some commands he's told you to do? Do you want to try and obey them? That's the test. Do they, but can we sin? Yes. John chapter, same book. Little children, I'm writing you these things so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, he knows they're going to. You have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, who is the propitiation, who's the remove, he removes this, the wrath of God for our sins, not for our sins, but the sins of, our, of the whole world. And by this we know we have come to know him, that we, again, keep, watch. Keep is in not in perfectly obey, but in we, we, we want to try and obey. We're trying to, to obey them. So this is the, these are the three tests. These are the three tests. Do you believe? Do you love God's people even if they frustrate you? And what's your heart's desire? These three things are evidence that you have real faith. about this one but we uh, what if i have to get better see that's the thing going back to this i'm going to set this one up a little bit better this is the one of the things we struggle with see we come to faith don't we and we and we're, we're like when we first come to faith we're like oh it's it's simple right i just need to believe and that's it but then life goes on as as, as a as a uh, as a believer and you find that you didn't change the way you expected to and now you're still struggling with some sins, or maybe God didn't make your life better, and you get frustrated by something. And we, and we hear this phrase, I have to progress in my faith. Yes, you do. But that doesn't mean you're saved by it. And here's an example of it. This is Peter telling people to grow in their faith. For this reason, make every effort to supplement your faith virtue. Sounds good, right? Virtue, and for virtue, knowledge and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, steadfastness, and steadfastness, godliness. See, this that's what we're talking about, preacher. You need to get better in your faith. You need to grow more and be more like Jesus. Yes, but look what he cares. And godliness, brother affection, and brother affection with love. Okay, yeah, now we're getting there. But look at why. For if these qualities are yours, and increasing, yeah, we're supposed to increase and be more and more like Jesus, does it mean you'll keep being saved? It's not what it says. What does it say? They keep you from being ineffective in your faith, unfruitful in your knowledge of Jesus. It doesn't mean you stay saved. It means that you're not going to be able to have as much fruit, as much of, a, of an impact in the world for Jesus if you don't grow in your faith. It doesn't mean that you're not saved. It means that you're not fruitful. And whoever doesn't, whoever lacks these qualities, what is it, what's the reason? Because you're nearsighted. You're not seeing the big picture. You're not realizing where your life is headed. And you've forgotten that you've been cleansed from your former sins. This is the issue. 
This is the solution you need. If you're not growing in your faith, it's because you're not seeing the direction. And you're not, you're not appreciating, the, the, you're, you're not remembering what Jesus has done for you. But it's not the basis of your salvation. Therefore, brothers, be, I'm just continuing, be all the more diligent to confirm your election. To, to, to give evidence that this is actually true, but it is not the basis of it, of your salvation. See, we come to faith and we just, I believe. And then we go through the years. And if we haven't, if we haven't cleaned up, then we wonder if we're still saved. We, we struggle with thing, sin, and we think, well, maybe God doesn't love me anymore because I've, I've sinned too much. Guys, it's never been based on that. And what he's doing, I think, is he's exposing that we really thought when we were first saved, it's faith, <clears throat> but I better clean up my life. I think that's what he's doing, and he's, he's exposing the fact that it's never been about you cleaning up your life. Christ died for us while we're still sinners. It's always 100% by faith alone, period. The rest just expresses it. It's not based on anything else. It was never, I, needed, I need to progress. You don't need to progress to be saved. Should you? Absolutely. If you haven't, you're nearsighted and if you've forgotten, you don't appreciate, you don't realize what you've got through, in, in, through your faith alone. So do things to confirm it. This is what it means to be saved by grace alone. This is ever-increasing trust in Him. Trust in what? There's one part of this that I didn't point out. You see a phrase I haven't talked about yet? What is it? This is the testimony. See what, it's based on what God has said. That is what is the basis of your salvation, the assurance of your salvation, what God has declared to be true. And this is the testimony that God has given this eternal life and this eternal life is in his son. Now, if you put this into context, he talks about that there are three things that testify, the water, the blood, and the spirit. And it's a little controversial, a little unclear what it is that those three things, here's my best shot at what it means. I think the, I think the water has to do with, at the baptism, where, this, where the father looked at Jesus, called down from heaven and said, this is my son. And it could probably also be tied in perhaps to, to the virgin birth. There's something different about Jesus. Then the second one's the blood, and my guess in that is that has to do with the cross and the resurrection. That on the cross, the, there was multiple testimonies from Pilate to the centurion saying, this is the king of the Jews. This is, this is the son of God. But most powerfully, it is the spirit of God who in his resurrection, that Jesus was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection. 
How do you know that the testimony that Jesus is the one that produces eternal life? Because Jesus is not dead. And how do you know that? Because the Spirit of God wrote Scripture. Ultimately, it's based on, do you trust the Word of God? Can you get to, Jesus loves me, this I know, because the Bible tells me so. Now, you can have lots of reasons to, 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 to as, a, as a foundation for that. You should have intellectual reasons for why you believe the, the Bible is reliable. But ultimately, it gets down to, do you trust Scripture? You need to separate feelings out of this, because your feelings are Gorgeous. I love your feelings. I like my feelings. They're, they are like the color of the rainbow in life. They're beautiful, and I have talked about them, but they are absolutely hideously horrible indicators of what is true. Your feelings can be wrong all the time. They're an indication of where you are, but they're not a good indication of what is real. And we know this. You need to separate, as it were, how do I want to put this? Your, your salvation, your assurance is ultimately not based on your belief if your belief is wrong. And if you believe that God is not happy with you because you're not living the Christian life, then your belief is wrong. If your feelings are telling me, oh, telling you I'm worried about whether or not God loves me, your feelings are wrong, and you need to trust what the Scripture says. Because ultimately, it gets down to what does God say is true about you, not what you think is true. For example, I could take a have a rock in my hand. Now you may think that it's a styrofoam rock. And I throw it at you, and you're not going to move. It's a styrofoam rock. But what if it isn't? What if it's a real rock? That's going to hurt. It doesn't matter whether you think it's a styrofoam rock or not. That's absolutely irrelevant. Now, it could be the other way around. You may think it's a real rock, and you, you react weirdly, and oh, no, trying to avoid it. But it's styrofoam. So what if it hits you? Now, use that analogy. Let's say, like a styrofoam rock, you really think that if you don't clean up your life and you don't do it good, that God's going to zap you, even though you believe in Jesus. That's a styrofoam rock. On the other hand, if you want to trust in anything other than Jesus for eternal life, and you think trusting in Him alone is not true, then that rock is real. And it'll hit you hard. Trust in the word of God alone. So, do you have the son? Do you believe in Jesus? Well, how do I know that's real? Don't trust your faith. Don't trust your feelings. Trust Scripture. 
who declares that you are saved by your faith only and that you have genuine faith if you really have a new heart that love that would prefer to please Jesus you love Christians even if they annoy you and you never and you still hold on to your faith that's how you know trust in, in, in him doggedly because whoever has the son does not have life now I'm going to end on this just a little personal uh, personal story When I was much younger, there was a point in my life where I had realized that I had sinned big. So big. And done so, so frequently that I really had to come to a point where if it's that I have to get better to be saved, then there's no hope. I'm not getting better. This is after being a believer. I, be, I became a believer probably, what, about 14? And so I had to go, okay, Jesus, what is it? H how do I know if I'm saved? Because I'm, my, my life, it, it, I've done some things that I know you don't like, and, I, I, and I'm not happy about them. I know, and I know they don't please you. I'm feeling guilty about it and, cr and crushed, but it's like, I do this. And the answer is, do you trust my word? And my favorite, favorite of all the sayings, and this is from Jesus, which is, makes it even more precious. It's the story of the tax collector and the, and the Pharisee. But the tax collector standing far off wouldn't even lift up his eyes to heaven to beat his breast saying, God, have mercy on me. And Jesus said, I tell you, that is the man who goes home right with me. That's what justified means. Rather than the other one who lives a good life, but he's trusting in whether or not he's getting better. God, have mercy on me is what I rely on. Not whether I get better. I believe in you, Jesus. Just have mercy on me because I know I blow it all the time. Trust in that. Not whether you're a good person. Not whether or not you've done religious things. And if you come to Jesus and just say, Jesus, I'm looking to you because you have eternal life. I need mercy. Period. I don't deserve it, but that's what I need. You have eternal life. You can go away today knowing you have it. Don't let your heart or the enemy deceive you thinking that you have, that you've blown it too many times. You are saved by the word, the testimony that says by faith alone, because you cry mercy. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I want to, uh, you know, thank you again, as I have so many times that I am saved simply because of because be, because I'm trusting you 
Lord, I want to pray for every person listening, both online and here in person, that Jesus, that you would give them that childlike faith that says, I trust you because you told me that if I just ask for mercy from you, Jesus, I get it. Confirm their faith. Give them a deeper love for, for your people. Give them a deeper love for your word, deeper love for, for pleasing you so that they can have the assurance that you're theirs. Purify them from the and, and me from, from this thought that I have to get better to stay in your hand. Thank you, Jesus, that you, won't hold, you will never let us go. Those of us who really do come to you, pleading for mercy. In your name we pray. Amen. Now Derek's going to play for a minute while we kind of get, get our hearts ready to come to communion. Where again we remember that it is the death in, of Jesus that's our foundation for whether or not we're his or not. What's going to happen with your last breath? Come to the table in just a minute. Just take a moment while Jarek's doing it and just kind of think about and give praise for, for that you're his. And then we'll, we'll take, take part together. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you've given us this, that you've given us your blood, you've given us your body. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the cup and says, this is the cup of the new covenant poured out for the forgiveness of sins. But before that, <laughs> see, you can mess up. That's okay. There we go. He took the bread and says, this is, the, this is my body given for you. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and says, this is the cup of the new covenant poured out for the forgiveness of sins. I'll do it all. You just need to come to me and trust. Come, take, and then we'll share together. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for today. Give us the assurance of, of your favor. Give us the assurance that you love us through our highs and our lows, our valleys, our dark moments, that you'll never, ever let us go because we are yours. And you'll get us safely home. Thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for coming today. May God bless you today with joy and with peace. We'll see you next Sunday.